You're listening to Pat O'Keefe. Woody Johnson spoke with New York Post's Brian Costello yesterday, gave him that information. He broke the story. You only, if you're an owner, you only make that announcement once. I always appreciative to get Woody's support. And there's a lot of things that we look back at uh, from the season, a lot of things that we know we can do a lot better. Next year, if a reporter has to ask the owner of the Jets if he's going to bring back the hierarchy of this organization, Douglas, Salah, Hackett, whomever, if that question needs to be asked 12 months from now, then the answer answer has to be no. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe. And then hopefully, obviously, we got two more games to finish, but with 24 looming, there's going to be a lot of excitement to go attack this thing again. On 98.7 ESPN. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire which, uh, is so delightful. Harvey, which version is this? Since we've no place to go. This is the uh, Frank Sinatra snow, rendition snow, of Let It Snow. It doesn't show signs now I hear it. You guys are going big today. So we went uh, we went Springsteen, right, to start? Yes, with the boss to start. Beach Boys? Yep. Paul McCartney? You got it. And Frank? Wow. Oh, yeah. It's a great quartet right there. It sure is. Tom Bauer there. Harvey Cruz. Probably getting a bacon, egg, and cheese somewhere. Christmas morning. Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York. Full sports day today. Five NBA games. What are there, three NFL games today? I'm an NBA guy. You know that. Um, <laughs> yes. We got the-, <laughs> the NFL's coming in and taking Christmas from, uh, from the NBA. Uh, we're, we're obviously focused, Tom, on the Giants-Eagles game at 4.30. But you got three standalone games. The, the Monday nighter tonight's fantastic. The Ravens eleven and three. The Forty Niners eleven and three. Raiders and Chiefs, uh, solid game as well. That gets you started at one. But that'll be also right in the middle of the Knicks and the Bucks from Madison Square Garden, which which begins the NBA's quintet of games on the uh, ESPN family of networks. And I'm here with you until eleven thirty when we get to Knicks pregame show. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Happy to have you along. Um, we'll talk some Giants and we'll talk some Knicks coming up. Uh, we'll talk some Christmas as well, which would be appropriate since it is Christmas morning here in New York City. This portion of the Pat O'Keefe Show is brought to you by Tullamore Dew. When it's game time, it's Tully time. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Let's get another call in here and let's welcome in our friend Richard in Manhattan. Richard, good morning. Oh, Pat, a few things to talk about. First of all, great Christmas music. I'll give, uh, guys, guys are making great selections. Uh, 12, 11 years ago, 2012, the NBA had the strike. So Christmas Day, I think they had the preview show. Stephen A. Smith was doing it. I remember he had Shaq on and a couple of people. And I called in from church because it was on a Sunday. So Christmas was on a Sunday. I was at church. I was in the back row. I called into, and uh, Stephen A. was kidding around. He says, Richard, you're, you're talking to me instead of listening to your pastor. I said, no, I'll be quick, Stephen A. It was just so much. Hold, fun hold on, hold on, Richard. The yes. one th- the one part of that whole story. The, strike season, the one part of that whole story I don't believe is when you said yeah. you'd be quick. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> All right, Pat, now couple, here's a quick question. Better bargain, Jared Cole or Jalen Brunson? Who was Jalen Brunson. Bargain? Brunson, better bargain. All right, now, Mitchell Robinson, that is such a tremendous loss. I've been watching the Knicks for 60 years, 60, 6-0, since Richie Guerin. They never had 
18 and a half rebounds per game from the center position in those 60 years. Hartenstein and uh, Mitchell Robinson were averaging 18 and a half a game. Never happened in 60 years. And that doesn't change. That's not because the NBA is different or anything. Rebounding is rebounding. It's not like shooting percentage or three-point score. I mean, it's the same as it is 60 years ago. And, no, and that's going to hurt the Knicks big, big time. They're going to have to make a move. I mean, either they're going to have to outscore teams or they better get a better defensive presence in the uh, center spot because yeah, they're not going to win this way. So they don't have enough scoring punch, and they certainly don't have defensive uh, capabilities now. Now, as far as football goes, all right, we got the Giants today, and I'm not interested too much in the Giants. I'm a Giant fan, but I'm watching Tommy DeVito. Got to see the kid do good. I'm rooting for him like crazy. Tonight we got the San Fran and uh, Baltimore game. I love Lamar Jackson, the most, to me, the most exciting quarterback to watch in the NFL. I just love watching that guy play quarterback. Plus, the games in San Francisco, that's the old-time football field with that grass, dirt mixture. I love it. Old-timer like me, I love watching football on that. My last thing, Pat, is this. This Thursday night, we can't – oh, by the way, I just saw the line on the jet game. I can't believe it's only five and a half. I, I don't bet. I don't like it. I don't think about it at all. But when I see five and a half points, I mean, I'd bet the house on that. And it wouldn't matter to me whether I won or lost. How are the Jets going into Cleveland three days rest like that? And Cleveland is sitting at home. like I, I can't see five and a half. But anyway, it's an, for me as a Jet fan... Uh, no lose situation. I'm rooting for the Jets. I hope they can finish eight and nine, beat New England, and that would be a decent season. But I'm also rooting for Joe Flacco. I think it's one of the greatest stories I've ever seen, and I think he should be NFL Player of the Year if Cleveland wins out uh, the, their final games. And, and uh, just the greatest, greatest thing I've ever seen the NFL recently. I mean, you can go back to uh, uh, Kurt Warner and all those guys, and there've been guys since then that came off the couch. But this is a great. Great story. So I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for the Jets. To me, it's a no-lose situation. Pat, always a pleasure. Thank you, Pat. Merry Christmas, Richard. Thanks for the call. Um, Mitchell Robinson um, is a tremendous loss for the Knicks. And Richard referred to the the rebounding that the Knicks lose. And he was among the top 10 rebounders in the NBA. And look, go look at the, the NBA rebounding leaders list. They're all either future Hall of Famers or multiple-time All-Stars. We're talking Embiid, we're talking Giannis, we're talking Jokic, we're talking DeMontis Sabonis. Those are the leading rebounders in the NBA. Mitchell Robinson was right up there with them. He was leading the NBA in offensive rebounds per game. Neither of those two areas are the biggest area uh, where they lose something with Robinson's absence. It's on defense. And and unfortunately, the way that you know the timing has worked out since his injury you know, you have faced some teams with a lot of size. Now, they were able to withstand and beat the Lakers, who have a lot of size, both on the wings and inside with Anthony Davis, but the, that was one of the Knicks' best-played games of the entire season, and it was one of Isaiah Hartenstein's best games as a Nick. He grabbed a career-high 17 rebounds, but against Milwaukee the other day, that you start Giannis at power forward, and then you start Brooke Lopez at center, and then you come off the bench with Bobby Portis. The Bucks are already a very difficult matchup for the Knicks. Even more difficult when you don't have Mitchell Robinson with that kind of size inside. And then, of course, you take away Jericho Sims, who, look, only 6'10", and was having a tough time in his first few starts, pick, uh, you know, guarding the pick and roll, had a real tough time against the Clippers last Saturday night. But he's an athletic very athletic player with tremendous leaping ability. 
and young legs. Now you take him out of the equation, and you're basically going in there with Hartenstein, who's doing all he can and playing big minutes, bigger than he's ever played in his entire career. And, you know, Richard talks about Joe Flacco, who was on the couch three weeks ago. Um, and now all of a sudden is leading the Browns on a playoff charge in the NFL. Taj Gibson was on the couch two weeks ago. And I looked down the other day. I'm like, how about this? If you're Taj Gibson, you're 38 years old. You think you've had a really good NBA career, 15 year career, Brooklyn kid, went to USC, uh, had some plates for some really good Bulls teams, went to the playoffs with the Timberwolves, had some good moments with your hometown team in the Knicks. And then you're sitting home. You think it's all over. And then, Mitchell gets hurt, you call Taj, you sign him back up, then Sims gets hurt, so now all of a sudden you're the backup center, and you're in the playing rotation, and the other day he's guarding Giannis. Like, you're on the couch two weeks ago just trying to stay in shape in case that call comes, and now two weeks later, you're at Madison Square Garden guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the greatest players of this generation. I mean, sports are funny sometimes. Yeah, so the Knicks are extremely thin at center. Uh, even if Sims does come back in a week or two, which is the expected return date, I've got to think the Knicks need to look long and hard at that position at center, especially considering it doesn't look good that Mitchell Robinson's going to come back this season. Let's go to Jay in Franklin Park. Jay, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Um, so I uh, I have a solid point, and then... I don't know if you'll let me, but I'm a I'm a professional whistler. I'd love to share a Christmas song with all of you. Um, <laughs> well, let's get to the salad point, and I'll mull over yeah. that whistling thing. <laughs> yeah, mull over that. I, you won't be disappointed. Um, okay. So, Salah, I I would not mind. I, I'll say it right now: if the Jets had a new head coach, and at the same time, I don't know how we could possibly put the offense on him when they. If you ask anybody who's the the last quarterback you would want on your team, it would be Zach Wilson. And I just don't know. I'm not saying he's a great head coach. I just don't know if he is. Because basically, you've saddled him with no offensive line and the worst quarterback in football for his three years. And I don't know any coach in the NFL who would have had success with that combination. And then also, like, just for, for next year with the draft, as much as I want the wide receiver... I just I, I don't see how you could possibly not take the best offensive lineman available. Of course, that does depend on free agency and you know who you could pick up or in a trade, who you could pick up for a wide receiver or sign as an offensive lineman. But I just I think we've seen with with the Jets the last few years, you know, even Mahomes in that in that uh, uh, Super Bowl without the uh, with the offensive line injuries. Yeah, like, I just don't yeah. I just don't know how we could. We just don't know what Salah is, I guess is my point. I don't think he's a great head coach, but I just don't know how we could ask him to command an offense when Zach Wilson's the person he's trying to command. Well, he, he's got one more one more chance at this. Regarding the wide receiver offensive line conundrum, first of all, like I said, I, I don't think it's going... I'm talking only if Marvin Harrison Jr. is available. I don't think he's going to be available there, but God, if you have Garrett Wilson on one side and this guy on the other, I mean, that really, that, <laughs> that could be something. It does. It does. And at the same time, we've seen if you don't have anybody who could block for the quarterback, you're not going to get You'd have to get creative. You'd have to get creative in the later rounds of the draft, and you would have to get creative in free agency for sure. 
Tom, what do you, Tom, what do you think? Well, first of all, Jay, let me ask you a question. What is a professional whistler? Is is this how you make your occupation? Well, I'm a I'm a music teacher and a musician, and I I whistle and I make some money whistling, and I'm a world champion whistler. Tom, should we give him a give him a, a crack? Do we have to pay him? Are there... No, we don't have to pay him. I don't think there's any royalties with that, Jay. I might I might call your bluff on the world champion whistler, but I, th- I think we'll be the I think we'll be the judge of that. It's Christmas, so I'm going to give you this opportunity. But if right, it doesn't go, go well, you're getting hung up. Yeah, on Tom's it. got his finger on the button, Jay. Totally fine. I, totally fine. I'll leave it up to you. Here we go. Have that holly jolly Christmas. Let's do it. Here we go. Tom, it's pretty good, right? Yeah, I'll, I think so. I'll, I'll give Jay credit there. That was actually really good. It I was, it, it I was think, strong. Yeah, I didn't know the the quality could be that good for whistling over the radio. That plus that's a he first. was. It sounded like he was in the car. It also sounded like it was raining where he was because I thought I, I heard windshield wipers, and and overcoming all of that. So well done, Jay. I, I wasn't at all sure how that was going to go, but I've got to say it wasn't half bad. Merry Christmas. What do we have so far? We, we, we got Bruce Springsteen. We got the Beach Boys. We got Paul McCartney. We got Frank Sinatra. And we got Jay Whistling. Yeah, Jay and Franklin Park. I think he was the best of them all. <laughs> That's a new Christmas classic right there. Uh, 1-800-919-3776. Let's uh, say good morning to Jose in Brooklyn. Jose, Merry Christmas. Good morning, Pat. Merry Christmas, and shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to come in, and you know that that was a very nice um, whistle rendition. Um, I had to. I wanted to pretty much kick this out because you know we're we're getting ready for Christmas, and usually you know Christmas is the big NBA day, and usually you know rather than you know the Knicks just being thrown on there just to get the big market rating. They're actually, you know, a pretty good team and, you know, actually are deserving of the national spotlight. But the concern that I'm going to have is, is that one, um, you guys brought it up earlier. One is, is the, is the absence of Mitchell Robinson. Um, I know that Hart seems a very good backup and he's solid and he can do a lot of things that even, um, Mitch can, Mitch can't do, like hit free throws and be more of an offensive force. But the issue is, is that, that defensive grit that pretty much, you know, it, it down, down low is what we're going to be missing. Because uh, I will always still contend to my friends that if we had Mitchell Robinson in that Hawk series, that Hawk series looks a whole lot different because Clint Capella is not just bullying Julius Randle and Nerlens Noel down low. So that's my huge concern. And then also we all know how the New York media market is on this big national day. You know, the, the Twitter storm has already gone after the third superstar in R.J. Barrett asking for him to be traded. The last thing we need as a Nick, as, as, as a Nick fan base is to get blown out on Christmas and then, you know, start those overreactions because you know people like, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world and everybody else is going to say that we need to trade for any, you know, bad superstar that, you know, that's out there in the market just to say that we have a superstar. So I want to know, where do you see this team at? Because I kind of see them being stuck in that, you know, middle of the pack area unless if they make a deal. 
But I'm more of a person that if the right deal doesn't come along, I, I'd rather take my chances with Leon using those, you know, first round picks and possibly getting the replacement for quickly and getting a replacement for, you know, Obi Toppin, which we haven't gotten a backup power forward. And also a couple of three and D pieces that we can experiment with because eventually we still do have to use these picks to start, um, to kind of build that consistency if we want to be that long-term, you know, playoff, you know, playoff team. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts, Pat. Thank you and have a great one. You too, Jose. Thanks for the call. The Knicks under Tom Thibodeau in this is year four and they are built on consistency is is probably, you know, the biggest word, the best descriptor to use to describe this team's success since Leon Rose took over, since Tom Thibodeau took over as the head coach and and really shifted the culture of this team. Um, They were for seven years, not a team that even sniffed the playoffs. And this is before the play in tournament. So if they were if they had the play in tournament during some of those years, maybe they would have been more interesting down the stretch of the season. But for the most part, seven straight years, no playoffs. Tom Thibodeau comes in. The first year after COVID, they go to the playoffs. Uh, They go two of the first three years, including winning a series last year. They're going to go to the playoffs this year in all likelihood. Um, So when you look at in a relative short amount of time, three and a half seasons, having gone from a team in the bottom five consistently of the Eastern Conference to a team in the top six now of the Eastern Conference, it's a it's a pretty impressive turnaround. That being said, the leap that is the most difficult to take in the NBA especially because it is a league of stars and there are only five guys on the court at a time. So a star player like a Giannis or a Tatum or an Embiid or a Jimmy Butler or whoever you want to say, a star player, as we know, has more impact on the success of an NBA team than in any other sport and there just aren't that many guys out there. So it is extremely difficult to get it's more difficult to get from where the Knicks are now as a solid good playoff team in the top 5 or 6, maybe even better than that of the Eastern Conference to a championship contending team. It's more difficult to make that leap than it is to make the leap from look, the year the last full year before the pandemic, the Knicks were 17 and 65. Um, when the, they fired David Fisdale in 2020, uh, 2019, excuse me, they were, I believe, 4 and 18. Okay? That was the depths of the NBA. And it's more difficult to get from where they are now to the top of the league uh, than it was for them to get from the bottom of the league to where they are now. But there's going to be, look, you got to keep an eye on Cleveland. Um, Donovan Mitchell did not come here before last season. Uh, that situation is very much worth monitoring. You know, Evan Mobley is out now. Darius Garland is out now. Mitchell has not signed an extension. There have been no indications that he wants to remain there long term. So that is certainly a situation worth monitoring, perhaps even during this season. But I think what the what the Knicks have realized is, you know, perhaps there is a limit, and 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 it's playing out with these matchups against the Celtics and the Bucks. You know, perhaps there's a limit or there's a ceiling to how high you can go against these other teams with your team as currently constructed. 
You know, the Knicks are 16-6 and against everybody in the NBA, except for the Celtics and the Bucks. They're 0-6 against those two teams. To get to where the Knicks want to get and to get to that next level, they need to go through the Celtics and the Bucks. And so far this season, they haven't proven that they could beat either of them. Then you throw the 76ers into the equation, and they're better than I think most people thought. Addition by subtraction, moving on from James Harden, Joel Embiid's playing even better than last year when he was an MVP. So those are three top teams in their way. And then you also have Miami, which has always been a tough matchup for the Knicks with Jimmy Butler, with Eric Spolstra, and with the way that they play. So yeah, the Knicks are in the mix, which is great, okay? Because that's kind of like your baseline. That's the positive of this analysis of where the Knicks are. Your baseline is you're a top six team. You know, you can go into this thinking that this is a playoff team. But now that you've experienced being in the postseason two of the last three years, you experienced playoff success last season by dismantling the Cavaliers in the first round and playing an exciting second round six-game series against the Heat. Naturally, as a fan base, as an organization, naturally you want more. So the biggest question for the Knicks is how do you get to that next level? And it's not easy. It is not easy at all. 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you for another hour or so. Knicks, speaking of them, pregame coverage coming up at 1130 as they take on the Bucks again. You can hear it all right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so this is the singing cowboy, right? Yes, it is. That'd be Gene Autry. Great Gene Autry. All right. This is obviously, you know, the uh, the great scene at the end of Christmas Vacation when the SWAT team comes flying into the house from all directions. You guys got a favorite Christmas movie? Are you into those this time of year? Do you watch them nonstop? Do you make it a point, Tom and Harvey? I don't make it a point to watch it nonstop. I'm very picky when it comes to Christmas content. Like, I can only watch it or listen to it within the 25 days leading up to Christmas and on Christmas. But my favorite Christmas movie would have to be Home Alone. Okay. Or, yeah. Yeah, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2. I'm torn on either one. You know, I think Home Alone, the original, is, is a better movie, obviously. I'm, you know sway towards home alone 2 just because it's a great new york movie um so that's that that bumps it up a few notches for me yeah i I think they just had more fun with the second one to be honest and i i I think i think it comes across there like it's just a kid in the city like it it it, it's like the perfect kind of like movie to watch just as a kid and you know i i I don't know i'm torn between the two so that came out i think what 91 92 with the second one did and when, when I was in high school, I went into high school in 93, Regis High School in Manhattan, and I don't know if they still do this, but for years, uh, we had our senior prom at the Plaza Hotel. So literally for like four years, I was super excited just to go to my senior prom uh, at the same hotel from Home Alone 2 because they made it look – I mean, first of all, it is a beautiful hotel. I, I, I think I've only been there the one night of my senior prom in the ballroom, whatever – but they make it look so good around, especially around Christmas time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How about you, Harvey? You kept the beard for that senior prom, right? The beard? Yeah. I had a go. I, I had a goatee senior year in high school that didn't quite connect from um, you know the top to the bottom. 
I, I made some interesting fashion choices back in the late nineties, as as did many people. You wore pleated pants. Corduroy I definitely jackets. had pleated pants. I, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I probably the pleated pants probably stuck around until I met my wife um, <laughs> in two thousand seven. They, they she, were she definitely. Not- they were part of the rotation a lot longer than they should have been. And then she knocked some sense back in. She straightened me out. Yeah. Uh, yes, in, in many ways. Uh, um, my favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Harvey, always, oh. always trying to stir the pot. Is that not a Christmas movie? I thought no, it was. I mean, look, I, 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 I've never had a strong take on that argument either way, but uh, knowing you as I do, I feel like that's your answer only so you could you know, get the pot stirred a little bit. No, The Grinch Stole Christmas is my favorite movie. The, now, which version? Uh, the 2000. Was that the one with Jim Carrey? Yes. Okay. That's a That's shame. your favorite, huh? I love I love the Home Alones. Um, you know, Christmas Vacation is a classic. I actually really like the um the Family Stone. Do you guys know that one? Don't think so. It's got a great cast. Um Craig T. Nelson, Luke Wilson, Rachel McAdams, Sarah Jessica Parker. Um it's about a family coming together at Christmas. Diane Keaton is the mom. It's a great cast. It's a, it's a, it, it has a sad ending. It's really funny. It's about a big family as adults. Uh, what's the guy's name? Dur- Dermot Mulrooney. Great cast. The Family Stone. Never heard uh, of it. I watched that. It makes me feel good around this time of year. I come from a big family, um, and you know, kind of you know, reminds me of getting together uh, this time of year. You know, to get a little sentimental. I just read a headline just now. It says, um, police across Connecticut apprehend the Grinch. Really? Apparently, um, the Naugatuck Police Department said that the Grinch was captured for burglary. Wow. There's, there's, a, there's a video on him of him getting <laughs> kind of accosted against a police car. Staying true to form around this time of year. How about that? Dressing up as the Grinch and uh, robbing people on Christmas morning. That's He's something. held on bail. For the amount of twenty five thousand candy canes. <laughs> this is this is in no way I don't even know if you're being serious right I'm now. I'm being dead serious. This is in no way related to the arrest, but did you see on social media this week the video of Julius Randall dressed as the Grinch for his son? I did see that. Yeah, that, that popped up on my Twitter couple I days saw ago. it. I couldn't believe it was him. It was such a realistic I mean, I don't know if lifelike is the right word because the Grinch technically isn't a living being, although maybe he is, but it was such an awesome video. And, you know, it was a six foot eight inch, six foot nine inch Grinch also. It was pretty cool. Mm. Apparently, apparently his son is all in on the Grinch and, and, and Randall threw the costume on for him. The good dad that he is. Good for Julius. Unlike the actual Grinch that got arrested, uh, that one should have yes. stayed in Whoville. Julius, yes. though. Glad he made an appearance. Hopefully Julius made it to Madison Square Garden in one piece today because uh, we're going to need to see and hear him on the court about an hour from now as the Knicks take on the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a really, really good Christmas sports day. You settle in, you get to your location. Hopefully you're listening to us right now en route to your destination or on your way to or from church or whatever it is. Um, We've got the Knicks and the Bucks at noon 11.30 11.30 pregame with me. We've got the Giants and the Eagles coming up at 4.30, a standalone game on Christmas Day. Um, look, for the Giants, last week put an end, you know, some might say a merciful end to the thought that maybe this magical Tommy DeVito ride could somehow lead them on a playoff run. In order for that to be possible, they would have had to have beaten the Saints. And not only did they not beat the Saints, but 
They were non-competitive against the Saints. Three games left, two of them against the Eagles. And, well, we're going to find out a lot about what this Eagles team is right now because are they the team that started 10-1 and one or... And during that run, by the way, there were several people saying that they weren't a real dominant 10 and one team, frankly, because they played so many close games. And now that they've come back to earth by winning three in a row against a very tough schedule, by the way, I mean, there are three losses. Uh, they got blown out by San Francisco. Uh, they got blown out by Dallas and then they lost a, a real tough game last Monday night to Seattle in which the Seahawks scored a late touchdown to beat them. So they're 10-4. and four. They've lost three games in a row. Dallas, not surprisingly, has left the door wide open for the Eagles because despite losing three in a row, they remain in the driver's seat because now the Cowboys all of a sudden have lost two games in a row to the Bills last week where they got killed, and they lose a tough game yesterday to the Dolphins. So it's still in Philly's hands. If they are you know, a real contender, then they come out today and they just wipe the Giants off the field very early and leave little doubt? Or are they just not that team, which is what many people suspect of them? So we'll see. For the Giants, it's like, you know, the Giants and the Knicks are in a similar situation. It's worse for the Giants, by the way. But they're both playing teams in their conference, upper echelon teams, that lately they just haven't been able to beat. The Knicks have lost five straight to the Bucks at Madison Square Garden. The um, Giants have lost... 10 straight games at Lincoln Financial Field. 10 in a row. The last four times the Giants played the Eagles, they lost 34 to 10 at home. They lost 48 to 22 at home. They lost 22 to 16. That was week 18 last year when Philadelphia was hoping to Giants actually were frisky in that game. Davis Webb started at quarterback. Giants were locked into the uh Six seed, I believe, in the NFC. So they didn't play Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley. Uh, and they, they played them tough, the Eagles, and lost 22-16. to 16. And then, of course, the playoff game last year, you know, the Giants come in riding high after beating the Vikings on the road. And within about seven minutes of that game, you could tell that they didn't necessarily belong on the same field as the Eagles, and they lost 38-7. to seven. At a certain point, um, and we talk about this when the Giants play the Cowboys, and we talk about this when the Giants play the Eagles. At a certain point, like you've got to beat these teams. You really do. Now, for the Knicks, it's not as extreme. you know. But for the Eagles, and I understand you only play a football team twice a year if they're in your own division. But we're talking about a decade now. They haven't lost a game. And the last couple of years, the Giants have been non-competitive against this team. They're division rivals. That's who you match up against. So that's at 4.30 today. So you got the Knicks at noon. Um... Grab some more d'oeuvres and then sit in and watch the Giants and the Eagles and see if the Giants can can snap that losing streak to their division rivals. Let's go to T. Joe in Montreal as we head back to the phones. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, T. Joe. Thank you. Yo, listen, man. Uh, I wanted to talk about the the Giants. Uh, listen, man. Um, Cause the thing that I don't like about the Euro Supondis is that oh we should be losing all the games and get Caleb Williams. You don't know what the quarterback is gonna give you. 
Trevor Lewis, number one pick. Um, what's his name? Uh, Jameis Winston, number one pick. He's a backup quarterback. So you don't know. So to me, win as many games as you can. And basically, uh, wherever you fall in the draft, draft whatever you can to better your team. You see what I mean? I think that's the philosophy they're taking, Tijo. Merry Christmas to you, and thanks for the call. Look, it's all fine to talk about tanking, and it's become such a normal and accepted topic of conversation that I think fans and members of the media who talk about tanking you know, lose sight of how difficult that is to implement. You know, for example, when the Giants were sitting at um, two and eight and in position to possibly drop uh, far enough to pick first or second in the draft, I was, I remember the show because I was in Charlotte with the Knicks and it was a Saturday afternoon and it was right before the Giants played. Washington, that ugly game where the commanders had a million turnovers and the Giants still barely held on to win. And that weekend, my message was lose. Lose out, get Caleb Williams, get Drake May, move on after a year from Daniel Jones, and let's reset the clock on this quarterback position. Because honestly, that is... That's the best thing, I think, long-term for the franchise. But how do you implement that? You know, how do you deliver that message to Brian Dable, who at that point, there were actually calls for his job. You know, look at the recent history of the Giants. Um, ben McAdoo came in. The Giants spent wildly in free agency before his first season after he replaced Tom Coughlin, and they made it to the playoffs. Now, it had a very disappointing ending, getting blown out in Green Bay when Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't catch the football after he spent the week leading up to the game on the boat in Miami. But overall, McAdoo's first season, new coach comes in, leads you to the playoffs after you missed, I think they had missed the playoffs the previous four years. They hadn't been to the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl the most recent time. That's a success. He didn't make it through year two. Sometimes the bottom can fall out so severely that, any currency that you have built up leading into that awful year is wiped away. And that's what happened to Ben McAdoo. His second season, there was the Eli Manning debacle where he replaced him as the starting quarterback and ended his consecutive game streak just for the hell of it, which was a disaster. There was no good rhyme or reason. You know, he wasn't replacing him with a young high draft pick who was considered the future of the franchise. Like when Eli Manning replaced Kurt Warner, like when Daniel Jones ultimately replaced Eli Manning, he just did it for the heck of it. That blew up in his face. And then there was a mutiny in the locker room. I mean, Eli Apple and uh, Snacks Harrison and the whole thing fell apart so much that they finally, a year after this guy led the team to the playoffs, they fired him. With four games to go, and Steve Spagnolo had to finish the year as the interim head coach. And then it was a similar situation with Joe Judge. Joe Judge's first year, now coming off of Pat Shermer's two-year disaster, anything would have been an improvement. And Judge's first year was such a breath of fresh air, even though the Giants finished 6-10. and 10. But if you remember, first of all, 6-10 and 10 that year almost got them into the playoffs as the NFC East champions. 
Washington had to beat Philadelphia the last game of the regular season, and that was after Doug Peterson pulled Jalen Hurts. If Hurts stays in that game, the Eagles probably win that game, and Judge probably leads that 6-10 and Giants team to the playoffs. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for the Giants, but you actually finished that first year under Joe Judge feeling good about your head coach because the Giants had been competitive. Under Shermer, the record stunk, and they were just blown out week in and week out. Well, year two for Joe Judge, he completely went backwards. Jones got hurt, so that had a lot to do with it. But the the, the enduring image from that season is Jake Fromm on second and nine and third and eight from inside the Giants' five-yard line, quarterback sneaking to set up a punt from their own end zone. And that essentially sealed the fate for Joe Judge. And he was let go a year after there were all those good feelings about the Giants turning a corner and having new leadership. So my point is this. If you want Brian Dayball in year number two, after he was the NFL's coach of the year last year and won a playoff game, you want him to now tank and finish 2-15 and 15 and finish 3-14? and 14? Sure, that's probably better for the long term of the franchise. But how do you get the head coach to implement that? Nobody ever sits down and thinks about what that conversation is like. You know, is it is it John Mara and Steve Tisch and Joe Shane? And they call Dayball into the office and say, listen, we want you to uh, we, we, we want you to put together a really crummy game plan this week. Uh, we want you to get called for a lot of excessive penalties. We uh we want you to put Saquon Barkley on the bench. We don't want you to give him the ball. I mean, this is also, it was also week 10, week 11. They were 2-8. and eight. It was week 11. So you want him to tank like half the season? Coaches aren't wired that way. When you reach that level, you're not wired that way. Sal is not wired that way. Sal is looking at this going into yesterday. And sure, we had a caller earlier say that, if the Jets lost, it would have been better for them in the draft. Of course it would have. Mathematically, that's 100% true. The more games you lose, the higher you pick. But Robert Salad doesn't walk into um, MetLife Stadium yesterday and say, I really hope we lose today because I want to pick sixth instead of eighth next year. No, because if you lose too much, you're not going to be the guy to pick it. There's recent history for the Giants, all right, where McAdoo... Good his first year, fired before the end of year two. Judge, solid his first year, fired after year two. And Dayball at that time was hearing the whispers that he could be the next one to go because it was starting to spiral out of control. And the one silver lining from this last month, and I know a lot of it is kind of smoke and mirrors with the Tommy DeVito thing. Like I said, you beat Washington on the road, but they turned the ball over, I think, six times. You beat the Patriots at home. The, that was such an awfully played game. New England's offense was so feeble at that point. And then you had the great Monday night win against the Packers. And then last week, non-competitive about the, against the Saints. The Giants have very little. They have a poor offensive line. They have an inexperienced quarterback that we're not even 100% sure is good enough to be a backup in this league. But a silver lining from the last month is Brian Dayball reminded a lot of people that he's a good coach. Because this could have spiraled out of control like it did with McAdoo, like it did with Shermer, like it did with Judge, and it has not. You know, the Giants, last week aside, played competitive football with a skeleton roster the last month of the season. So yeah, it's so easy for you know people like us, fans, 
hosts, media members to talk about tanking. And mathematically, according to the analytics, it's the best thing to do. But it is very difficult to get the people who have to make those decisions to implement that in an actual football game. Now, this portion of the Pat O'Keefe Show is brought to you by Tullamore Dew. When it's game time, it's Tully time. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying it. Tullamore Dew responsibly. We'll talk some Knicks as we continue on this Christmas morning and more of your calls if you want to chime in at 1-800-919-3776. Knicks pregame coming up the bottom of next hour, 1130. We get you set for their game against the Bucks right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know. Is that our whistler mixed with Burl Ives? Oh, it sure is. Oh, you guys working overtime on Christmas. What was that guy's name? Uh, the caller was Jay in Franklin Park. <laughs> We were impressed with that. Yeah, he, he gets an A plus. He gets an A plus for me for that. Although you're still not, you're, you're not all in on him being the um, the world champion of whistling, correct? Yeah, I think there needs to be an official competition. We might need to get some regulations involved. <laughs> what there does might that need look like? Rules. I wonder. You know, is that like in a gymnasium somewhere in suburban North America? I, I would like to think so. I'd like to think it's with a, in a place that has like a really loud echo. Like maybe they can get like a really big cave that they can rent out. And uh, that that can make things a lot better. Maybe then it'll be uh, more theatric, I guess. So we, we how many more? We, we only return from break one more time, right? That's correct, yes. I, I can't wait to... I'm, I'm keeping a list of uh, your musical selections this morning, Tom. I'm very impressed so far. I can't wait for the grand finale. I just put a little more pressure on you, but I'm sure you already had something up your sleeve if I know you. I've already got two songs up my sleeve. Uh, are, you, are you debating? I am debating because I wanted to come back with the uh, Jay whistling with that. I thought that would be a uh, <laughs> yeah. nice Christmas gift. Honestly, I probably could have made that the finale. That probably would have been better thinking on my part, but... I'm satisfied with the two choices I got. Jay caused you to uh, to pull an audible there. He he most certainly did. It was a good uh, audible, though. It was a good audible. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I think you and I were both a little skeptical on how that could go. But uh, all right. Well, it's Monday morning. Uh, Pat O'Keefe with you. 98.7 ESPN New York. Programming note or reminder, if it is such, that uh, I'll be on the K show this week starting tomorrow. Three till, you know, roughly 6.30, 7 o'clock, depending on the day. Ty Butler and I will be holding that down for the guys the rest of the week as they take some much-needed time off. I'll be uh, with you after this show, which ends at 11.30, part of the Knicks-Bucks broadcast. They're coming up from Madison Square Garden. You know, we, we had a caller allude to this on how, you know, some people, some people don't like it when the Knicks play on Christmas because they quote-unquote don't deserve to. And it's it's absurd to me. And the reason it's absurd to me is that is just another example of people not having an appreciation for history. Christmas, uh, NBA basketball on Christmas, 
essentially was invented by the Knicks because for years and years and years, they were the only team or one of the only teams doing it. And it was only in the last 20 years or so when the NBA saw this opportunity to start marketing their Christmas Day slate and making it into a five-game extravaganza, which it is once again today, and you know, littering it with marquee matchups that people start to say that, well, it should be the 10 best teams or the Knicks don't. First of all, the Knicks are, if they're not one of the 10 best teams in the NBA right now, they're very, very close. They're on the cusp of being that. They're sixth place in their conference. They win today. They could be up to the top four in their conference right now. They also, there, there has, you know, it's very similar. I mean, the Knicks are more deserving because the, the Detroit Lions were just bad for forever. And they play every single year on Thanksgiving. And I'm sorry if you don't like it, but you know what? Tradition still has to mean something. And the Knicks basically invented basketball on Christmas. And the beauty of the NBA slate is you can get five games. So there's four other, if you don't like the Knicks-Bucks matchup, there's four other games that you could watch. And they put it first. So if you don't want to get to it, you don't have to get to it. But the comments on how fans, some fans don't think that the Knicks should be playing on Christmas Day is absurd. Now, I understand a few years ago when David Fisdale is the coach of the Knicks and they're 17 and 65, yeah, then there's a strong argument that you don't want to see them play on Christmas. And guess what? They didn't play on Christmas that year. But when they're coming off a second round trip to the playoffs, they're the team that basically invented the concept of playing basketball on Christmas. And they're in New York City at Madison Square Garden. They deserve to play on Christmas Day. And today, they're going to play on Christmas Day. And we'll have pregame coverage at 1130 of that. Uh, NFL Week 16 wraps up today. Three standalone games. At 1 o'clock, you've got the Raiders and the Chiefs. Chiefs are 9-5. and five. Raiders are 6-8 and eight on life support. Still technically not eliminated from playoff contention. The Chiefs are trying to keep pace with the Dolphins, who won yesterday to improve to 11-4, and four, uh, and trying to keep pace with the Ravens, who play tonight and are 11-3 and three, and in first place in the AFC. Ravens at 49ers. That's the Monday night game. That's an ABC telecast. And then, of course, right in between those two games at 4.30, you have the Giants and the Eagles. Giants 5-9, and nine, Eagles 10-4, and four, still in the driver's seat in the NFC East thanks to the Cowboys losing their last two games, including yesterday. Jets and Commanders. Jets are 6-9. and nine. What's left to play for for the Jets? Well, next week you could play a little spoiler against the Browns in Cleveland, although they continue to roll behind Joe Flacco, and that is a terrific story. And they really... The big one for the Jets is going to be the Week 18 game in New England because, look, we've spoken a lot today about um, at some point the Giants have to, you know, put their foot down and beat the Eagles. At some point, the Knicks have to put their foot down and beat the Bucks this year. At some point, the Jets have to beat the New England Patriots. And if you can't beat this version of, of the New England Patriots, where it's uncertain whether or not their season has gone so poorly, it's uncertain whether or not they're even going to bring Bill Belichick back. With this Jets defense, if you can't beat the Patriots now, and I understand you're on your fourth starting quarterback of the season, all right, but three of the four, or two of the first three, were nothing to write home about either, then I don't know when you're going to beat this team. 
So that's what's left to play for for the Jets. Um, We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go around the rest of Week 16 in the NFL, and we'll get you set for Knicks Bucks, which is coming your way right here at 1130 on 98.7 ESPN New York.